All right. Hey, gang. Andrew Can of TubeBuddy is here. It's the season finale. We're going to talk all about live streaming on YouTube and how to optimize your YouTube channel. What else is there to say? I said it already. Andrew Can of TubeBuddy is here. Let's do a show. All right, welcome to the season finale of StreamYard Connect. Don't worry, we're not going anywhere as we wrap up season four here. We will be back next week with the start of season five, but I do like to think in terms of seasons. We've done a lot of YouTube and video production and video optimization shows. We've talked a lot about gear as well this season, and we've had some amazing guests, and I am super excited to bring Andrew Can of TubeBuddy on to the show in just a few minutes. Um, if you take a look back at some of our guests, we've just had a, a tremendous, tremendous group of people that I'm so thankful that have been a part of the show throughout the season. We have a bunch of new creators with StreamYard, Roberto Blake and Daniel Battelle, Nick and Dean Nimmin uh, have all been on the show. Uh, Daniel Glickman, the new head of growth for StreamYard, has also been on the show. Uh, another YouTuber that's been on the show is Diana Gladney, talking about cameras and lighting. Of course, we had the Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson. Entrepreneurs like Outlaw Mass, Carlos Gill and Reggie Williams. Uh, the Hollywood flavor of Joey Garrity, talking about what it takes to be visible and influence and have influence Hollywood style. Uh, Tim Gillette talked about monetizing events. Lauren Weissman talked about messaging before marketing. We also got into using video clips on your live streams with Brian Alvey. And, of course, we had a live stream producer on, and that was Phil Kluba talking about his career uh, and how he got into producing live streams for businesses and brands and, of course, we had the superstars of live streaming, our own Gage Vandentop, the founder of StreamYard and somebody who's really put this company and put the ability of creators to use a tool that's easy to use and yet is very stable and very professional on the map. And it's been growing and it's been an amazing season. Also, on that episode, which was our 50th, we had Leslie Nance, former Periscoper of the Year finalist for the Shorty Awards, someone who used live streaming to build her business and now is using it within her business. Uh, very interesting, her development from doing a five-day-a-week show to now using live streaming st strategically within her group after she kind of built up her brand by going live streaming regularly. So, all that makes for an exciting season, um, and we've got a lot of uh, really interesting things to come that I'm looking forward to talking about. And when you talk about StreamYard, of course, the three pillars, I mentioned them in that sentence a few seconds ago, ease of use, stability, and professional-looking streams. You look, you see the co-founders there, Gage, Van, and Top on the left and Dan Briggs on the right. And of course, multi-streaming is a big feature of StreamYard. You don't need any other tool to multi-stream. You can go live to Facebook and you can go live to LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, 
Periscope, which of course gets you on Twitter and your Twitch channel. And if that isn't enough, there's also custom RTMP. I use it to go to Amazon Live. You can use it for any destination that doesn't already have built-in integration with StreamYard. And last night, I was on with Dana Bentz, the head of marketing for StreamYard, and we talked about how easy it is to use StreamYard's multi-streaming feature. I love how you said that multi-streaming isn't any harder than going to one platform, because you're right, it's actually not. When some people ask me, like, Dana, how do I do a multi-stream? Like, what do you do to multi-stream? And it's just like, you click your other <laughs> destinations, and right. that's it. Like, and then you're going live to three instead of one, or 10 instead of one, well, eight on StreamYard instead of right. one. Um, but it's just that easy. So if you haven't tried multi-streaming yet, it's not something to be afraid of. Really, the experience is very similar to just going to one destination, except that you choose the other destinations before you go live and all your comments aggregate into the comments tab within your studio. And so it really is no different than managing one destination, except you might get more comments and more viewers. And you'll probably be happy with that, even if it's slightly more more work. So uh, something to think about. You can catch that episode with Dana. We talked about a lot of different things related to live streaming and personal branding. That's on her uh, Dana Bentz YouTube channel. That was last night. And uh, thanks to Dana for having me on and and for that discussion let's get to some things going on with Streamyard. daniel glickman as i mentioned is the uh newly appointed head of growth for Streamyard, and he started his own show yesterday it's the newest addition to the Streamyard lineup and here's how it began welcome to um Streamyard tech talk where we take a deep dive into live streaming technologies can learn from the expert streamers about what hardware, software, and tech setup they use to go live. Get your streaming tech questions ready because we're about to get started. And then you'll put together a, a nicely produced intro that, don't forget, you can upload a video of up to five minutes on StreamYard. Uh, you can play as an intro. You can play it as an outro. You can run clips as I'm doing here. Let's take a look at uh, Daniel's intro uh, collage or uh, intro produced intro. You know what? Just play it, Ross. You said you said everything you needed to say. So you can catch uh, StreamYard Tech Talk every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern on the StreamYard YouTube channel and the StreamYard Facebook page. And also our team is growing. Daniel's going to have uh, a couple more team members joining the fold. Christian Karasevich, uh, you know, may know him from Social Chefs or Social Chatter. He's going to be joining up with StreamYard to uh, work on some new blogging opportunities, and Julie Riley, who uh, was with Social Media Examiner, she's going to be the social media manager for StreamYard, so we welcome them both to the team, and I'm sure you'll be seeing them on the show at some point. Also, uh, the new feature volume control is here, and the point I want to make about this is this is really valuable in a pinch. 
I think the best practice, if you're trying to get level audio with your guest, is to have them come on ahead of time and sort of mix your volume level there, right? Have them, once you've got your level correct, your gain correct for your own audio, then ask your, your guest to either get a little louder, a little softer, either turn it up or turn it down a little bit so that you're close to matching. However, when guests join in the middle or if there's a major change in your guest's audio, you can now go down to that, that three-dot menu over the guest's little little image below the, the monitor there, and you can actually go in and adjust the guest level. So if a guest is quiet, too quiet, you can boost it. If the guest is too soft, you can, uh, if the guest is too loud, rather, you can decrease it, you know, boost it, decrease it. Uh, but that is that is available. You also can adjust your own, although I'm not touching that right now. So if you can set it first within your own mixer or with your own computer, that's the best way to do it. And of course, StreamYard does their uh, work as well to balance things out uh, between different sources and different quality audio and puts a nice mix together. But these are some things you can do to influence it if you're finding that uh, the volume is off between the two people who are speaking or more people, and particularly when a guest joins in progress and you don't have a chance to necessarily communicate with them. You don't want to say it on camera to, to, to turn up their, their volume, turn it down. And when I say volume, for those who are professional you may know it has gain their level but what we're talking about is how loud the guest is coming in or how soft they're coming in so that's available volume control both for your guest and for you i would say if you're doing well with your own audio just leave it on automatic for yourself and adjust your your levels on your own computer or if you're using an audio face interface or mixer do that there i also want to mention the producer program that uh, marissa Callie has been working hard to put together she's building up a team of producers it's in beta right now but as people need uh, professional production for Streamyard broadcast then it's now something that you'll be able to go to within Streamyard and find out who might be available that would be a good match for uh, the type of broadcast you want to do. So uh, another really good program, and congratulations to Marissa on building that up and putting a team together to provide production services for those who are looking for it. Let's get to the industry news real quick. Um, the AI entertainment company Ben has purchased TubeBuddy, uh, I'm not going to get into it right now. We have this, a source, perhaps, coming on in just a minute. Uh, not a lot of information about it other than a, a press release that Ben put out that I've seen so far. Uh, and also Spotify just continues to buy up podcasting properties. They are going all in. This time they spent the cool $235 million, according to TechCrunch, to buy Megaphone. It's an ad and publishing platform. And the idea is to use uh, third-party ad insertion, essentially, for creators, not just uh, delivering it um, perhaps to their to their top tier of people, but the idea now that they can they can 
insert ads in, in pretty much anyone's podcast, I think, including podcasts that are on other platforms, I believe. So I, I have to learn a lot about what this is and what it means. But what it means is in the big picture, don't sleep on Spotify. I mean, they are they have come to play. They have invested a tremendous amount of money. I think at the beginning of the year, they had a goal of about $500 million that they were going to put into uh, put into podcasting. Well, $235 million is getting them close. They've also bought, I believe it was the beginning of last year, they bought Gimlet and they bought Anchor and they've, you know, signed Joe Rogan to a $100 million contract. They're, they're here. They're playing for keeps. They're getting into video podcasting, at least for the people on the, on the upper end, on the, you know, with big podcasts trying to take on YouTube. And that way, I think eventually that maybe that'll become available to everybody. I'm not sure yet, but, uh, if you don't have your podcast on Spotify, you should. You should, even if you prefer to use a different app or, you know, you're you're still going to stick by that RSS feed delivery. You still should have your podcast on Spotify because, first of all, it's a cool brand to be associated with, but it's also a place where a lot of people are going to listen to podcasts. And Spotify knows that the podcasting realm is their biggest potential area right now for growth. It might not be anywhere near as big as music, but it's where they see through ads and other things that they have a chance to grow, make money, get get premium subscribers and more. So, again, don't sleep on Spotify. They are going big time into podcasting and perhaps uh, into video in some ways as well. And also a quick thanks to Jesse Guthrie. We uh, really evolved the look of the show, and Jesse came on to do uh, the backgrounds for us, and it's been uh, great working with Jesse throughout the season. So you see these uh, this, this new look for the show that we've had this season. I want to thank Jesse Guthrie for uh, working with us to do that. StreamSense Media is his website, streamsensemedia.com. Come, and if you're not yet using StreamYard, give it a shot. Livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. Livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard to get started. This is the season finale of StreamYard Connect. We have our guest, Andrew Can, who we'll bring up in just a second from TubeBuddy. And I'm Ross Brand. This is StreamYard Connect. We're here every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. In fact, we're here every Wednesday. I think they say with, uh, you know, the lockdown and staying in, sometimes you can't tell. No, I'm not going to blame it on that. I got it wrong. It's all right. So every Wednesday we are here and uh, join us. Join us as we're going to next season. We're not only going to feature... Uh, some of the new talent that's coming along with StreamYard, but we're going to go off into a bunch of different topics. I've been talking with a photographer who's going to come on about how to use photography for your social media graphics and your your YouTube channel art and all the different things you need to do on social media to, for uh, branding and for photography uh, and a lot of other great topics. We're going to do some more panels. We did one a couple of seasons ago, and we definitely want to do another one 
uh, coming up this season and a whole lot more. But now let's get to the star of the show. He is the head of video production at TubeBuddy. He's YouTube certified and he's an award-winning filmmaker and uh, just a great teacher of how to use YouTube, how to optimize YouTube, and uh, a, a good friend and somebody that I have great admiration for the way he goes about doing his business and the way he creates videos and the way he really engages with the uh, YouTube community, the live streaming community. Andrew, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me on. I just wanted to give you a quick congratulations. Five years, four seasons, and a hundred reasons to subscribe <laughs> to not only Ross, but StreamYard. Go ahead and do that if you aren't already. Very nice. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> it's great to have you on. Um, before we get into live streaming and TubeBuddy, let me ask you about the acquisition uh, by Ben. There's not a lot of info out there yet. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? So for starters... I was very, very, like everyone else, I was very caught guard. But seeing the work they're doing, seeing the... ...stuff that is coming, it is... Not sure if you froze up on my end or your end. Is anybody else having trouble hearing uh, Andrew? Does anybody else think he froze up? Um, I'm not sure if you can reset your audio. Um, and Andrew will probably be back in just a second. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand, and here he is once again, the great Andrew Can. So sorry about that. That's all right. You were saying about Ben. <laughs> to answer your question, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Here's the thing. TubeBuddy has always been very similar to StreamYard about empowering creators with tools that can help them do what they do best better. And with Ben and with all the promise of AI and just getting to work on some cool things that we've had in the pipeline and in the works, we've been able to already start elevating some of the stuff we had behind the scenes. And I'm so excited for what is to come and just not only for me personally, but Honestly, the tools that we're offering, how we can work with more brands, more creators, just to let them do what they do best, better. I'm so excited. Oh, that sounds great. And we'll keep watching and see what uh, this this new collaboration or this new uh, integration with uh, Ben will do with TubeBuddy and what TubeBuddy can do for Ben. It's, uh, it's exciting, all these different developments within the digital space. Now, let's get to... Live streaming, easy for me to say, on YouTube. And let me start out by asking this. For people who have relatively small channels, they're starting out, they don't do a lot of YouTube, or they haven't had a lot of success yet on YouTube, is live streaming a good way to go about building your channel, or should you hold off on live streaming to YouTube until you've gotten a bigger audience and you feel that you know you're more likely to get a lot of watch time and a lot of people showing up for you on, on YouTube. So my stance on this is actually shifted. I used to think that you know you should have an established audience before you even go live. But I think part of what is brilliant about the world is that we can adapt and change. And what I've seen especially mm -hmm. this year is that it's not so much if you have an established audience, it's knowing who you want your audience to be, which I think is important. I think at any moment you can start live streaming, you just need to know who you're trying to help. A great example is StreamYard. 
They want to help streamers. Right. And here we are. TubeBuddy wants to help YouTube creators. So that's what we stream about. Knowing what you want to talk about is when you can get started, when you are passionate about it, when it is the thing that gets you up every day and you're like, I can't wait to go and talk about this with people. That's when you should start streaming because that's when you know who you're talking to. Right, right. And so if you have a small channel, you're not going to obviously have nearly as many people getting notified in the beginning. Is it okay to, you know, people used to say a lot of times, oh, you're going to hurt yourself in the algorithm if you go live and you don't get too many views, because in general, at least the way it used to be when, when my channel was really small and I didn't necessarily have much of a game plan with YouTube, I would, you know, I would upload videos and they would do okay or not very good. But, but in the beginning, there wasn't much happening if I went live and it seemed like, okay, here's a lost opportunity for sure. And as my channel's grown a little bit, I've seen more momentum with going live, but I, I have still seen that most of the progress that I make on my channel, most of the views, most of um, what moves the needle forward, so to speak, comes from uploading videos, not necessarily from going live. But I say that as somebody who hasn't done a lot of lives in the last six months to a year on YouTube because I didn't think that it was good for my channel. <laughs> so I think you bring up a very good point, right? When it comes to how you started, you said that you weren't, you know, you were just uploading, you were trying to find your momentum. I think that if you're going to start a show, which is what a live stream is, this is a commitment, right. it is a show, you need to have an idea with that. So if you know what your content is, a great example is Optobotamus, who is here in our chat. I see a lot of great people here in the chat. He does toy reviews and he does collectibles reviews. If he was to, he's done a lot of videos. If he wants to transition to doing lives, he can do them on those things, do live unboxings, let his audience get more into it. It's understanding, once again, who you want to help. A lot of people are afraid live streaming will hurt them out of the gate because they don't have an audience. But how are you to establish an audience if you don't try, mm -hmm. right? That's one of the things I see worse. It's like, you're so worried about hurting the audience. You have four people watching. Keep going. <laughs> Right, but content right. is content. And if you optimize it well, and if you think it through and you make it for the future viewers in mind, well, not only do you have a live stream, well, then you have a video replay. And if you put, you know, a newer feature YouTube chapters in it, then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're giving yourself more ways to get discovered. You're giving yourself more ways to get new people interested. And they're aware you're live where they can get to know you more personable than in a traditional video. So there's really no wrong stage in the development of your channel to go live if you have a show or a purpose for an audience that's out there and you're delivering content that they're looking for. It may be a small audience, but it's not going to hurt your channel uh, doing that kind of content. No, especially if you have that plan in mind. Now, if you're just like, I'm going to go live every single day and we're just going to talk about a new fruit. I'm like, <laughs> right, okay, right. Ross, that's great. Uh, what does fruit have to do with live streaming? Uh <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, it totally, totally makes sense. Um, when it comes to the fundamentals of optimizing videos, your title, your tags, your thumbnail, your description, um, is there a difference in how you should go about optimizing a scheduled live stream where you know the video is up before you go the video page is up before you go live and what you would do with an uploaded video sure so 
one thing YouTube says, especially for traditional videos, is that you should be searchable and compelling, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea is if you're searchable, well, you're meeting people where they're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. A great example is how to grow on YouTube. People are searching for that. So that's right. a good start, but it's not really compelling, right? Mm -hmm. Streams really do well with that compelling element, right? So how to optimize YouTube for live streams, right? That's the name of this one. That's very searchable. But let's go a step further. If we put how to optimize YouTube, li YouTube for live streams to never get zero viewers again, well, all of a sudden that's way more compelling. Now, honestly, right. you need to – you have to honor that. You can't just, you know, you can't right, just pay right. a big claim and not honor it. But the idea is, is that you are so undeniably compelling that they can't miss the stream, that they have to click through and hit set reminder or they do it on the page. So when it comes to streams, searchable is so important too. But do not forget the compelling nature because right. that's what's going to get people excited for it. That's what's going to build that hype. Now, do you enter – you probably enter tags, I assume, before you go live. You can go yeah. in. You can enter tags, right? Makes sense because they help you find an audience or they help YouTube know where to – sort of where to direct uh, people who might be interested in that. Um, is the point of tags to – basically teach YouTube what your video is about or is the point of tags to get this tag that's like, okay, when I click on that tag, you know, I'm going to own that, that phrase or whatever, you know, you hear so many different things. Tell people the, first of all, the value of tags, because some people say they don't matter at all anymore. And other people say they very much matter. And then, you know, kind of what YouTube uses them for. So people have an idea of kind of how to go about, setting up their tags sure so i always say tags are they still matter first of all youtube says they play a minimal role but that's still a role right so the problem a lot of people in our space have with tags is that for so long creators were would just fixate on them to the point where they wouldn't make new videos and that's very detrimental if you're not streaming if you're not creating content it doesn't matter that you haven't found the right tags it matters that you're not making content right so the problem was people focused and obsessed over them. Tags matter. And they help you in the initial upload of your video. They help YouTube understand, hey, the example is this stream. This stream is about how to optimize YouTube for live streams, right? So YouTube goes, okay, we see that in the title. We see that in the description and we see it in the tags. When all three of those things are in alignment, YouTube has a clear idea of what that's about. Why that matters is because YouTube knows what our viewers watch. They know what people have seen before. I'm sure a lot of you here, if you are regulars on StreamYard, you know the streams. YouTube knows you know that too. So right. when they see that you, Ross, or anyone here on the channel is publishing, they know, okay, Ross has told us this is what it's about. This audience loves that kind of content from Ross. Let's put them together to show it to that person. Right, right. Now let's take a look at the description. Um, descriptions tend to be a mix of telling people what the video is about, getting some keywords in there for sure. Doesn't always read like a Hemingway novel. And then, uh, and then also having some links, be it to your, your properties, to a, a product, to a service, to something that you're talking about in the show that's relevant. Uh, talk about. Uh, just a, a big picture overview of, of kind of the best practices for putting your description. Do you want it to be long? Do you want it to be short? Do you want to have, uh, 
uh, just description above the fold, or can you have a, a, a link up there? What what are the the best ways to go about doing uh, your description for any kind of video, but in particular for for a live stream video? For sure. So, in the terms of the generality, because it goes for both mm -hmm. like published videos and streams. You right. want to accurately describe it so that YouTube can look at your description, look at your title and tags and match the relevancy. So those first 200 characters really, really matter in terms of accurately describing the stream. So YouTube knows, okay, this is what it's about. Let's do this. A lot of times I'll see people make the mistake where they're like, Hey guys, it's so great to be back here again on this Thursday. I ate an apple pie. My new favorite thing is this cup. And I have sometimes used chapstick and it's like, what is this video about? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> what is this live stream about, right? So when you describe it, a viewer can quickly look and go, okay, I get that. Then for live streams especially, those first 200 can help you get higher in search because YouTube likes lives. Here's why. They're always going to be more relevant than a pre-recorded video, and YouTube likes live content because they sort by default, by relevancy. So right. they give streams a little more weight. That doesn't mean you get to be irrelevant and it doesn't mean you can't keyword stuff because that's how you get in trouble. But right. what it does for descriptions is those first 200 characters, YouTube has said about only 10% read that from viewers. But guess what? YouTube 100% of the time uses it and reads it. So what I say is those first 200 characters, describe it accurately, make sure that it's good. Then under that, you ask the importance, should you use the full description? Absolutely, especially for live streams. If you are not using the chapter feature, it is a huge missed opportunity. If you don't know what the chapters are, it's where you can put timestamps in the description by putting 00 colon 00 and then whatever time. And it works because YouTube can use that as a snippet and recommend right. it in Google. They can recommend it in people searching elsewhere. And it is so important that when you add those chapters, think about how could this be searchable? How can this include tags I have in the video? And then you're just giving YouTube so much information that all they can say is, well, Ross knows his stuff. Ross has given us above and beyond what everyone else is. So we see people are watching this. Let's try pushing it out more. Right. Again, you wouldn't build a house without a blueprint, right? So why would you not set up your videos for success? Right, right. Thanks. Total sense. And after the after the video is done, after it's in replay, obviously doing chapters is a must at this yes. point. Because, for example, I might say that I might mention in the description that you're joining us, but somebody could come in and they're watching the open and they're going, no, there's no Andrew here. Right. So having a chapter of where I start talking to you and perhaps where we discuss description or or where we discuss tags whatever somebody might be going i want to hear what andrew has to say about that that's important to do as a chapter i think right there's no limit on on how much you can drill down make it make it easy for for the viewer is that is that the right way to approach it yeah and you can also go a step beyond look at your analytics because youtube mm -hmm. shows you where people are replaying back to if you notice that like at the beginning there's a huge spike of interest because they just get to see ross's beautiful face then you put that <laughs> chapter right there <laughs> check is in the mail my friend you're welcome uh, <laughs> i just like having fun you know me. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you've done that. Um, do you think about changing the thumbnail cover, changing the 
the description, the title, the tags. What what changes do you look at after a live stream's over, or do you say, okay, this was a good live stream. I'm not going to mess with anything, and and the same the same things that work to draw an audience will work to draw people in replay. So to start, I I think it's un, like I I usually optimize it to I know where it's going to work for both live right. and replay. So I'll, I'll pretend I don't. So if I didn't know that, what I'll say is this. I always think about when it comes to my thumbnail, I always A-B test immediately because sometimes what works for a live doesn't work for a replay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can come up with a better thing. You can A-B test with two buddies legend plan. But I love A-B testing. You can also do this if you just you know change out the thumbnail every day at midnight so you have data, you can collect it. Right. But what I would say is I would look at the thumbnail especially because sometimes we design, design it to be looking like we're live right now. But the problem with that is what happens when you're not right? They see the replay. If you mislead someone and they think that you're live, well, that's not good for either of you. They wanted a live experience and it's just a replay. So be transparent. If you have live in the title, change it. Always think about how people can find that stream and what's the core takeaway. I think this stream is beautifully optimized. So great job. Well, I will send you. you a check as well. But jokes <laughs> aside, it's very, very good because you want to think if this replay, what do I want to get? What do I want the people watching the replay to really get out of it? What do I want them to take away and say, you know what, Ross, I didn't know that, but because of you, I now do. Right. That's the moment you really need to highlight. That's what you really should be going in and finding. And the ways you can change that in the title are you should have that set up perfectly mm -hmm. for when you're no longer live and you're in the replay, you don't have to worry about it. So the thumbnail is the main thing to pay attention to. And maybe I need to sort of reverse engineer that because not necessarily for this show. I think it's pretty clear because StreamYard's a live streaming platform that it's a live show. But for some of my own stuff, when I go live, I often use a thumbnail that's similar to the thumbnails of my uploaded videos. Maybe I should be putting a live sign on them or some, you know, something that says, hey, this is a live event. Like you want to you want to get in here. This isn't going to be around forever if you want to participate. Exactly. And then they're like, oh, wait, Ross is live now. I don't want to miss that because then immediately no one wants to go. I missed the boat. I'm so glad I wasn't there for the event. No one. In, I've never heard right, anyone right. who wanted to go to an event say that. So don't <laughs> if you give if you make urgency in your content, people will pick up on that and have to be there. Right, right. Well, if you don't have a notepad out and you're not taking notes, I'll pause for a second, say hello to some people in the chat because <laughs> this is this is a masterclass in, in, in using YouTube. Uh, good to see Sandy here, fully involved media group. Luke is here. Uh, Dana Bentz, of course, is here. Great to see you. Gabriel is here. Nice to see you. Roadrunner Coins was here, but had to get back to work. Yvonne Robinson Jackson. Nice to see you. Uh, Jaden Sue is here. Uh, James LaMotta. Uh, Beauty Bubble is here. James Pruitt. Stefan Kaplan. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Bridget Brigetti is here. Thank you for being here. Um, and it, it's just great talking with Andrew Can from TubeBuddy. Uh, you can check out TubeBuddy's channel over at TubeBuddy.com slash livestream. Uh, no, that's my. I thought I had put up your. I, I did not mean to put up that. <laughs> no, that, no. Well, use okay. Ross's buddy. If you'd, get like your to use, I get it. if you'd like to use my link, and I did not mean to use that. 
I swear I did not mean to put that up. I thought I was putting up the TubeBuddy YouTube channel, and, and that's why I said that. But if you would like to support me by using my link for TubeBuddy, I won't complain. You can go to TubeBuddy.com slash LivestreamUniverse, or you can just go to TubeBuddy.com and download the free browser extension. There should be a link in the description on Facebook and YouTube. And get started with TubeBuddy. It's free to download the Chrome extension. You uh, connect it with your YouTube channel, and you'll all of a sudden see right away useful information showing up, and you can start to learn about what might be working and what might not be working. And I think, Andrew, when, when people look at, at TubeBuddy and they go, okay, I've got TubeBuddy in. How come I'm not getting a million people watching my videos? TubeBuddy doesn't bring an audience to you. It helps you identify where opportunities could be for someone with your content. Can you explain to people what you mean when you say, like, identify opportunities? What is What are they trying to accomplish if they're new to using TubeBuddy uh, in order to help them focus on content that over time could build a successful channel? Sure. So to kind of start at the beginning, I think you TubeBuddy especially is like a gym membership, right? Like if I just sign up for a gym, I don't have a six pack, right? right. I wish, but <laughs> I don't. It's not the reality. I got one in the fridge, I think. Well, there we go. Can <laughs> you get I'll, me one? <laughs> I'll, I'll be here all week. <laughs> but the thing is, it's a lot like a gym membership where that you get access to all this equipment that can help you change your body, your mind, etc. TubeBuddy is a suite of tools. It gives you the ability to change your YouTube channel. So when we talk about identifying opportunities with our Keyword Explorer, one of the things we do is we look for opportunities for you to show up and search because YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. So we focus on search and discovery because search can lead for discovery not only of your videos, but of your live streams too. Because a great example, the Apple event that just happened, the new consoles that are coming out, people want to talk about it live. Videos right. are great. But if I can have a live chat conversation with other people that are passionate, it's like being in a concert, feeling the energy of something you're so excited about. And that's the beauty of a live stream. So TubeBuddy is a lot like that gym membership. Just because you signed up doesn't mean you get the ripped body you want. And mm -hmm. it's also similar to if you don't know how the tools work, we have courses. We have coaches that can help you use it, right? So when it comes to the importance of finding opportunities, we give you an idea of keywords. I saw someone earlier in the chat say keywords equal tags. That is a very gross oversimplification. Right. To make it simple, keywords are the key word, the main focus of what the video is about. It is not just tags. When we give you a keyword, that is what people are searching for, what they're passionate for. And right. then we break it down even further and we give you a score. Right, right. And can you describe like what the score, what you should do once you get the score? Like if you get a score that's uh, 10 or 40 or 30 or 20, do you not use those words in the title? Do you go, okay, I better keep searching or do you take that as, okay, that's one point against this, but there might be another reason to use those keywords anyway in my title or description. So Ross, I'm so glad you've asked this question. If you can just give me one For second. Sure. Take your time. I have a helpful teaching aid that I teach all the time. 
So, Ross, you are not the only one with snazzy f- effects here. <laughs> some of us have some, uh, uh, you know, some grassroots kind of ways to do things. So, okay, people focus so much on the score too, buddy. But it's more like a traffic light. So. <laughs> You're not the only one with special fancy effects, Ross. Here we are. So, screenshot taken. So here's the thing, right? Going a little, we've had our fun, but here's right. the truth: people focus way, way, way too much on the number without the context of the graph, right? Mm-hmm. The graph we have shows three. It shows five different things, but I focus on three. It's like driving a car. It is right. like a traffic light, right? So if we understand that, then we know that red. Right here, like if I go back to my traffic light cam, uh, welcome to us on our news hour for the traffic light cam. Uh, <laughs> so we know red means to stop. In terms of keyword research, that means you should stop and consider another keyword, right? Mm-hmm. Yellow is to be cautious. I know that if I run a yellow light, a cop could pull me over because I assume the risk of running the yellow. But the plus side on that. The, you know, the reason why people do it is I could get to where I'm trying to go faster in terms of keyword research. If I take that risk, if I go and run the yellow, that could make my video do very well. Right. And of course, green, <laughs> you're good to go. But it's that yellow to green where I focus on because there's two mm-hmm. kinds of drivers. There's lots of different creators. I'm slow and steady at the yellow light. I'll slow down and yield. But I know Dana Bentz, who gives her two cents, will be going right through the yellow. She's going <laughs> to say, I'm never hitting. You're never going to catch me, cops. And right. that's Dana, but you know, every creator is different. <laughs> Where I might slow down at a yellow rush, you might go through it. Mm-hmm. It's your confidence in your driving. In terms of creation, it's your confidence in how much and how well you can make a video on that topic. Right. If you're not that confident on it, then maybe you don't make it. But when you see a yellow, you're like, you know what? I'm booking it. Right. That's right. your call to make as the creator. For people who are new to TubeBuddy, what are a couple of the free features that maybe we haven't discussed that they should consider looking at sooner rather than later and take advantage of? Sure. Upload defaults. If you are a streamer, you can have different streams. If you have multiple streams like StreamYard does here, you can save all the information on the back end in YouTube and it's TubeBuddy. And all you have to do is hit apply and it saves everything, your title, your description, your tags, your guests, everything. So you don't have to sit there and go... <laughs> you don't have to sit there and recopy and paste. I know StreamYard has a lot of useful features like that too, but in terms of the optimization, you can just bring them in. There's so much that saves time. We now have the best time to publish, where if you have a good amount of data, which YouTube provides, you can see when a lot of your viewers are online. So when you are either publishing a video or, and I made sure, and we all made sure to focus on streamers because we understand how important they are. You can say, hey, right. most of my audience is on at this time for four hours. I should probably stream when they're online. Right, right. Do you have an, uh, sort of a philosophy in terms of the right mix of content? Like, should you should you just stream all the time if that's what you like to do? Should you mix in stream to upload stream or stream once a week, upload once a week? What for for somebody who's not, you know, doesn't have unlimited time, right? They can create a couple of pieces of content a week, maybe one piece of content a week. What is the right mix between streaming and uploading? So I definitely think you should try to do both because you want as many opportunities to focus on your brand or you as a creator. So streaming is brilliant. And I recommend, because we do it at least once a week on TubeBuddy, 
if you can get that show, you can get that consistency and find new innovative things to talk about, something that you do very well here at StreamYard, then that can work very well. And then the content can bring people in and you're like, hey, if you want to discuss this more with me, you want to dive deeper, come to my Wednesday show where we will go even deeper than we can in this video. So then there's a reason to subscribe. There's a reason to come to the stream and they're feeding to each other instead of pulling one way or pulling the other, which a lot of people accidentally do with their streams. Your content can help your streams and vice versa. Yeah. So you want to be making content that feeds into your streams. And then in your streams, you get questions that you might not be able to answer at the moment. Hey, that's a great idea for a video. Look at, look out next week. We'll have a video on that. Or I've already covered it in a video. Right, right. And then, then you, you re-energize that video by sending your, your audience to that, to that video. What do you do with videos that are, that have just completely underperformed for many years? You, you know, you put them up at some point, you went back in, you upgraded the thumbnail, you put some tags in, you realized that, you know, a couple of hashtags is in a description. So you wrote a description and it's still sitting there with no, not, not much going for it. Is there any harm to just leaving it up on your channel as, you know, hey, it's there for somebody who's, who might find it and be interested in it and I don't really... Or, or do you want, or is it, if you have like 10 views or 100 views as your channel grows, do you want to start? Is there a certain number where you want to just go like, let's, let's, let's drop that off. Nobody's really watching it because you can dig into the analytics and you can see that like this video has a uh, two hours of watch time in the last three years or whatever. You're like, I don't think anybody's coming back for this one. <laughs> so I'd actually look at the impressions there because mm-hmm. sometimes what can happen is YouTube can try its hardest to put something out in front of people. But if man, they just didn't click, that's not mm-hmm. the video's fault. That's the thumbnails. Right. So I dive deep. Right. I go, how many people did this show? I, it was interesting because I, I was working with someone and uh, they're like, this video is awful. YouTube never even put it out. And then we lend their impressions and they had a million impressions. <laughs> right. So right. YouTube really tried to put it out, but no one clicked on it because they couldn't tell what the video was based on the title and thumbnail. So right, right. I would look there. I mean, if I've had like two impressions over four years, maybe I consider how I missed the mark. Um, maybe right. I look at what is this video really about and is that what it's described? If a video doesn't perform, more often than not, it's a reflection of us as You're freezing up a bit. Creator. Your, uh, your audio is... And that's hard uh, in life. Oh, am I here? Yeah, back. You're back, I think. Or oh, not. Can you hear me? Yeah, you might want to refresh. I you're you're so frozen here. on my end. We're talking with Andrew Can from TubeBuddy. And uh, he drops out. He's going to come back in just a second. Um, It's just great getting all this advice and knowledge about how to use YouTube from live streaming to uploading videos. And that concludes our fill. And here he's back, the great Andrew Can. How are you doing on on time? Can you stay a little longer? I'm doing fine. It's up to whatever you would like. I mean, I gave my time for you, so you tell me when you're done with me, Ross. All right. right. Well, you know, I've done a five-hour stream, so you don't want to just let me... uh, (laughs) Well, Ross, you know I've done a 24 one, so I can go for 24 hours. Hey, this is the Um, (laughs) warm-up. Let's turn quickly to analytics. for people who are overwhelmed, which is me and I think anybody who just goes into the analytics and goes, 
what the heck am I supposed to look for? Can you break down where to start with analytics? What is sure. what are a few important metrics? Because if you look at everything, you're looking at nothing. <laughs> yes. So one of the things I do is I tell you to look at the two buddy quick links because we we take mm -hmm. we break it down on the things you really should focus on. So that's things such as watch time. Mm -hmm. What is the click through rate? How many subscribers did this video drive? How many likes and dislikes did it get? So what I tell people when you're trying to understand why a video didn't perform, why a stream didn't do well, I say, look at the impressions. A lot of people don't know what impressions are. So I want to take that moment. If you make a thumbnail, YouTube will show that to people. When YouTube shows at least 50% of that thumbnail, so a majority of it for at least a second, that's an impression. That can happen when you're scrolling on your phone. That can happen if you read the comments and you see videos to the side. What that means is YouTube put it out in front of people. What And that means it gives you an idea of how many times YouTube tried to put it out there. The click-through rate matters because that means when they saw the thumbnail, they decided, I want to watch this video or live stream. Right, right. Focus on that because if you're... If YouTube has a million impressions, that means you're probably ranking in search and all these things, but it could be down to our thumbnails. And that can be the hardest pill to swallow is that it's our fault. I, I who one of the hardest things it was, <laughs> was to take it personally at TubeBuddy. It's like, okay, we're not making the best thumbnails I can make or we can make. And that's right. on us. And if we keep blaming YouTube for our own downfalls, we're not going to do better because YouTube's doing it. YouTube's trying. Right, but YouTube right. can't make people click on your thumbnail. They can only put it in front of people. Well, your thumbnails are, are phenomenal now. And I, <laughs> I was wondering, what are the key elements to a good thumbnail? And I know that's subjective and it's changing and there's trends and everything. But most people just don't know where to start, right? They think big letters, maybe. Then they think like everything but the kitchen sink, uh, not enough. Then there's too much on the cover. Then there's not enough. Uh, that's not working. Should I change the color? What, do, what are the key elements that make a, a, a good thumbnail? You know, what, what have you learned now that, that, cause I think your thumbnails are so on point right now, uh, for what, for what you're doing. So what, one thing I would say is we have a tool called click magnet that can actually analyze your thumbnails and tell you what does and doesn't work for you. Oh, wow. So for anyone interested, it is a legend level feature, but you can use that code from Ross. You can use Ross's buddy to get 20% off, then do yearly for 40. But what I'm saying, hey, <laughs> got to help. But here's the thing, <laughs> jokes aside, what we've noticed at thumbnails is it's different per audience. So these are just generalities, but it may be different for you. So pay attention to that. What we tend to notice for us at TubeBuddy, when I started putting my face on it, people started caring more because they could relate more. We're mm -hmm. software. It's not the most interesting thing to look <laughs> at. So putting a human face is a little more interesting. Having vibrant colors that stand out, because like I said, a lot of it's just screenshots of the software, looking at what your competitors are doing and thinking, well, how can I make this more interesting? If you would go you can literally look at your thumbnail, compare it to them and go, why I click on this? And if the answer is no, that's a problem. Right, right. So it comes down to doing the research, seeing what your audience responds to. And if you have a lot of videos and streams, go in, sort them by click through rate and see which ones they tend to click on and what's a prevailing theme. What is the commonality? I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position of picking favorites, but are there a few creators that we might know that you look at and you say they've figured it out? They're doing thumbnails right. 
don't copy them directly, but learn from what they're doing. They understand how to lay things out, how to how to make a really good thumbnail that has impact. Sure. So, I mean, some simple ones are like Nick Nimmin, Daniel Batal, D Nimmin. They're great. Look at Mr. Beast and think about if you were trying to get a more compelling thumbnail, what does he do that makes you so curious about it before even reading the title? Right. Look at people in your space that are larger than you and see why would someone want to click on this? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Throw away your personal bias and think as a new viewer who has never heard of this subject, why would I want to click on it? And right. that's when you start thinking of YouTube as you, the creator, and you think of it as you, the audience member, you who is watching, the pleasure to be humans, the all things women for his glory, the <laughs> fully involved media group, the Sandy Moonstones, because that's way more important than us as creators. When we say YouTube, we make the mistake in thinking it's all about us. The reality mm -hmm. is it's all about you watching and matching our interests with yours. Good to see Eileen Smith here, and you mentioned Pleasure to be Human, who has a, a question. If the title is too long, shorten the title, I think, or do you shorten the title if it's... Is there a point where the title gets too long? You want to yes. keep it within a certain length. So YouTube has said in the Creator Academy, between 20 to 70 is a sweet spot. The reason is any more characters than 70 is on mobile devices and on TVs. It kind of starts getting cut off. So you don't even see those words really on desktop. You'll see it, but 80% of people watch YouTube on their phone. So try to keep your title between 20 to 70 mm -hmm. and think about that 80% watching on the phone. Playlists. What's the key to a good playlist? Sure. A good, a key to a good playlist is that it too should be searchable, right? Mm -hmm. I learned this by working with a lot of gaming channels. Gaming channels can do great in search because people want to watch content in that way. So they should be searchable too. Playlist should be have a common theme, right? All of your think of it like seasons of a TV show, seasons right. of content, right? If you have 40 videos because you were live streaming all about fruit, Ross, and I told you it was a bad idea, but you loved that fruit stream, <laughs> Mango Monday forever, right. right? But here's the thing: ideally, you would put all those fruit streams in there, but you're like, but I sometimes talk about vegetables, so that's great, but it doesn't make sense to the fruit people. Right. So right. keep it focused on the topic. Keep it focused on what you do, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are talking about, let's say you are a gardening channel and you love flowers, mm -hmm. make it about flowers that are similar. Maybe it's the same family, the same kind of flowers. If you're a cooking channel, have all your chicken recipes all together. Mm -hmm. There's a lot you can do. You should make them relevant because if all of a sudden in our fruit playlist, you're like, I want to talk about vegetables. I'm like, Ross, Ross, we told you it's fruit. <laughs> So it, it doesn't necessarily, it shouldn't necessarily be the title of the show. It should be descriptive words or words that tell you what it, the playlist is about, right? That are yes. searchable. So it shouldn't be like live stream deals. It should be like great gear for live streaming or something. I don't know if that's well, yes, what, what you would want, but. Because what are people more likely to search for? Mm -hmm. how to start live streaming or what people don't necessarily know the name of your show. They know what they want to know, match right. them with where they are, go right. where they are. Cool. Cool. Well, so much great advice. We could do this all day. We are just about out of time for season four. Thank you so much, Andrew. Check him out. Um, you can find him on YouTube. He's got his own channel, which is awesome, too. It is YouTube.com slash Andrew K. And TubeBuddy's channel is 
youtube.com slash TubeBuddy. And of course, if you haven't downloaded uh, the TubeBuddy browser extension, it's free to get started. TubeBuddy.com slash LivestreamUniverse. And if you haven't signed up for LivestreamUniverse, then come on, LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard and get going with StreamYard. StreamYard and TubeBuddy are, are two products that really work well together when you want to have yourself, all your bases covered, you want to have a professional live stream and you want to make sure that you're optimizing that live stream for YouTube. Um, and with those two tools, it, it, it's really, really awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's great to have you, you on. And uh, I've learned a ton today. Thank you so much, Ross. And StreamYard has honestly fundamentally changed how we see live streaming at TubeBuddy. It's made it so simple and easy. And if you aren't using it, please, I implore you to. It's free and a great tool for all creators to use. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you to everybody for joining us today. Uh, what a great turnout uh, and, and so much great information. I can't wait to go back and watch this and take notes and make some improvements to my channel to the live streams that I publish on uh, the StreamYard channel. It's just fantastic uh, to get the insights of Andrew, who's done it, who works with TubeBuddy, uh, works for TubeBuddy. He's their head of video production, and he's really been responsible for growing their, their outstanding channel to uh, 500,000 subscribers, and it is just continuing to grow with great tutorials, great live streams, and so many opportunities to learn. Uh, we want to thank everybody also who's been a part of this season at StreamYard Connect. I want to thank Jesse Guthrie again uh, for his help with uh, graphics. I want to thank uh, Beauty Bubble, who's always keeping things Live in the chat, thank you to Gage and Dan and Dana and the whole team over at StreamYard for everything they do. And, of course, thank you for being here. We're going to come back with some great episodes in the next season, which starts next week. So see you back here again on Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for another episode of StreamYard Connect. Take care, everybody.